0: Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by Barbend.com. Today I'm talking to Barbend's fitness and training editor, Jake Boley. Jake holds a master's in sports science and a bachelor's in exercise science. He's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and he's spoken at state conferences on the topics of writing in the fitness industry and building a brand. Jake has written literally thousands of articles on strength, sports and training. And he's also a driving force behind Barb social media efforts. In our one on one chat, we go deep on a topic near and dear to Jake's heart, respect and trolling in online strength communities. Jake is an athlete, coach, and writer with first-hand experience when it comes to the positives and negatives of strengths growth online. He's seen what happens when strength athletes work to learn and communicate openly. And at the same time, he's also seen what happens when disagreements boil over into downright hostility. What does this mean for strength athletes, their fans, and their communities? I'm excited to help bring you Jake's perspective and thoughts. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Bar Bend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track and bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. All right, today on the Barbend podcast, I have a very special guest, and that is Barbend's fitness editor, Jake Boley. Jake, thanks so much for joining us. This is the first time we're recording the Barbend podcast with someone who is full time on the Barbend team. So, a lot of pressure
1: on your shoulders. Thank you for having me, and I feel that pressure. I feel like I'm carrying a 1RM squat right now, <laughs> just, just sitting here.
0: Well, we're, we're, we're talking about some topics that I think are a little bit more on on the personal side. And we might get a little bit personal, and it's going to come a lot from from our experience. So uh, the pressure is only, only there uh, for how you can convey that personal experience.
1: <laughs> no one's testing your one rep max today. Thank goodness, because I am not conditioned to one rep max. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about these topics. I think um, on the topics we're talking about, we have an interesting point of view mm-hmm. because we do cover so many different strength sports. Mm-hmm. So we interact with these audiences on a daily basis, and I think the topics we're going to cover today are going to not only I think resonate with a lot of our readers and viewers and listeners, but hopefully give some people some insight into like what we see as an objective kind of journalistic outlet.
0: Yeah, or at least what we what we attempt to stay objective on. Although we True. we have our own personal biases that I'm actually I'm actually most excited to dive into those. Um, but the topics that we want to discover are um, well. The topics all center around respect in strength sports, particularly when it comes to strength sports online and respect or perceptions of strength sports across the different sports. So how weightlifters perceive powerlifters, how powerlifters perceive weightlifters, how everyone perceives CrossFitters and vice versa. Um, where strongman fits into this other, you know, more, more, more niche strength sports like the Moss wrestling community. How do they perceive everything? Um, so that's really what we're diving into today. And and my first question for you, Jake is, do you think there is a a problem online when it comes to athletes across strength sports perceiving, interacting with,
1: and communicating uh, with athletes from different sports? So that's a great question, and I'm actually going to break that into two different populations because I think that's the way we should approach it is let's break it down from the athletes and then let's break it down from the fans, right? the viewers, the people who follow these athletes. From a purely athletic standpoint, and so the athletes themselves who are in the nitty-gritty who are competing, I don't see a huge lack of respect between other athletes. Mm -hmm. I think if you are competing at the top of the game for whether it be weightlifting, CrossFit, powerlifting, strongman, and so forth, I think you understand the hustle and the work it takes other athletes to do so, and I don't really see that being a problem I see the issue being more so the folks who don't regularly compete or don't really have their nails deep into a sport who kind of lack that understanding of what these other athletes are going through because at the end of the day I think every strength sport has a degree of volume and intensity that is kind of equivocal to all the athletes and sports but I don't think a lot of fans and viewers necessarily understand that, and that's where I think that lack of respect really comes in. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think first it's worth noting that um, it, it's probably a very vocal minority. You know, I think that a lot of our readers, listeners, viewers at, at Barbend, you know, the overwhelming majority of feedback and comments we get, um, they're respectful for athletes who might come from different backgrounds, come from different sports, have different skill sets. It's it's really a vocal minority that you will see trolling Instagram comments or really goading athletes. And and I think w- when we were first discussing topics for this podcast in this episode, it was in response to a few situations where we saw, um, some members of a, a very vocal mo- minority goading athletes on social media, elite athletes on social media, um, which was a, a really confusing for us, but we have a, a, a perspective very much in the community. It's like, these athletes are working hard. Why can't we, we respect that? But that understanding doesn't necessarily carry over to everyone. Um, my question for you then, Jake, and I, I like how you broke that down, is where do you see that directionally coming from? Is it athletes from one sport, or maybe more specifically fans from one sport, criticizing athletes from a a different particular sport the most where are you and this is very much anecdotal just yeah. what you're observing online where are you seeing that the most
1: yeah totally so for a little bit of background i'm a i'm one of the main guys who runs our instagram page so i kind of see all the comments we get from the vast amount of posts we put up and if i had to pick honestly one population that i would say gets it a little bit worse than others is obviously i think a lot of people are going to be agreeing it's crossfit right mm, yeah it's every time you post a CrossFit video or a post or an article, whether it be positive, negative, and so forth. There's always at least one troll comment, no matter what. Without fail, there's always one comment. Now, what strength sports that, nec- that what strength sport that's necessarily coming from? It's hard to say, yeah, because a lot of times these trolling comments are from faceless characters or they're just from people who don't actually compete or mm-hmm. really look like they're really invested into a sport. So it's hard to say if there's any form of direction. I do get a feeling that it's from the more of like the old school population or the people who take everything they hear for what it is and they think that CrossFit's bad, CrossFit causes all these injuries. But again, it all comes down to the context and a couple instances do not equate for everything. So I think once you get one of those snowball instances going and it gets enough hype, that's where a lot of this has come from. But if I had to pick one that usually gets it worse, I would have to say it's probably CrossFit. And then maybe powerlifting here and there, depending on the context of the lift, the population who's watching it, whether it was like in a federation that's respected for so-and-so athlete and other athletes and so forth.
0: I, I th- would definitely echo those sentiments from my own observation. We recorded uh, a podcast recently that will probably air before this one with Pat Barber, who is a multi, multi-time CrossFit Games athlete, um, actually was one of the you know original, the OG uh, CrossFit level two, three, and four trainers, um, still worked very closely with CrossFit HQ, and he's been involved with the sport since 2004. So that's like an eon in CrossFit years. He got involved with the sport when he was still in high school. And I asked him on the podcast, you know, what was the perception of the sport and the reaction you got from other athletes, other strength athletes who weren't CrossFitters, in 2009 compared to 2019? And he said it's a complete 180. And he was absolutely, you know, one of the most shocking things to him in his involvement with the sport and with athletics has been the change in perception because there was this turning point, right? Where where folks started to realize and it came differently for different people and it came differently for different sports where people started to realize CrossFit wasn't going away. And in fact, CrossFit could be one of the best things for the growth of these other barbell sports, period. I mean, the growth of weightlifting the growth of powerlifting, the growth of strongman. We even see strongman competitors, world's strongest man competitors, who found strength sports through CrossFit, which is just, would have been unthinkable to me even six years ago. And so there is, there has been this progression and there has been this, this change of perception um, and maybe an acceptance that like no one's going to beat CrossFit. CrossFit is, is here to stay. So when you mention these old school characters, making a lot of these trolling comments that that does resonate that does resonate with me. And, um, you know, I do think that there is throughout the strength community, there is a hesitancy to accept change. And I don't think that's specific to CrossFit. Are there other, whether it be changes in training methodology, nutrition approaches, that you're seeing a lot of like old school trolls, if you will, um, be really, really slow to accept and really actively push back against.
1: Yeah, totally. I think um, I think with strength training in general, I think people are very resistant to accept new methodologies. And the fact of the matter is, is that even with all of the literature in the game, those are suggestions for best practices, right? And it's not a one size fits all. And I think when people fail to see the context of concepts like that it translates kind of into every perception they have towards athletes, sports, methodologies, new kind of findings, and so forth. And so I see a lot of pushback, usually in, just in terms of things that people don't agree with. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the toughest part, because if somebody doesn't agree with anything, even though it might be a little bit more sound in knowledge, then it's tough to kind of get your point across. And I think that that kind of mindset trickles into the strength sports and the topics we're talking about now. So I like that you bring that up, and it's like it's not always the old school guys. I think that makes up a majority of the folks who have these more, um, let's just say, ill-conceived conceptions of the strength sport community and different sports. But this is also the population I think that once they are uh, set in their ways, there's no change, right? And it doesn't. That's not only limited to old school characters, but just I think every population across the board
0: and people understandably are protective over protective of the things they love most and i think that that was certainly true more so back when strength sports I, I wouldn't say strength sports are are mainstream or as mainstream as they're going to be at least you know our hope is that we can bring strength mainstream that's a big per- reason barbell exists but 10 years ago 15 years ago if you were a powerlifter you were str- you were struggling to illustrate to people well here's what powerlifting is here's how it's it's different than weightlifting here's how they're both different than bodybuilding and we still have those misconceptions but when these sports didn't necessarily have the mainstream exposure that CrossFit is honestly largely responsible for people got defensive I remember when I was first getting into weightlifting I would get defensive when people would, would call it powerlifting or they'd say like Olympic powerlifting or they'd you know ask me how the bodybuilding was going I was like well I'm clearly not a bodybuilder have you seen me And it's easy to get defensive when you feel like your sport is under attack or underappreciated as these sports gain more mainstream recognition. There's going to be a shift because as more people are interested in participating your first reaction and my, this was, this was my first reaction. I'm just as guilty of this as anyone was to be defensive about the sport. When in fact, someone might've just been asking questions or asking for clarification because maybe they were interested in participating. So I wasn't, being as open as I could or as encouraging, my first response was to get like militantly defensive and be like, no, it, it's it's this and any other approach is, is wrong. Did you ever feel that when you were first getting into strength training, particularly when you were first
1: getting into powerlifting years ago? Oh, 100%. I'm going to ask you a question next on this, but um, 100%, I think everybody goes through that phase, especially when you first find something you truly love and something that really works. You tend to really grip to it and stick to it. And want to use that until it's pretty much blue in the face and you can't anymore. And I think if I had to ask you, from an athlete-to-athlete athlete point of view, what was the one variable that has changed your mindset from being a little bit more elitist in your way of training compared to respecting everyone else's?
0: Wow. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that question. This is throwing me for a loop. I don't know if it's one variable, but I will say that... Uh, when I first started interacting with people outside the weightlifting community who were interested in strength sports, it was realizing that they asked good questions and I didn't need to be defensive. Like my response to the questions was always about being defensive and showing why weightlifting was the best. I don't need to convince them weightlifting is the best. Weightlifting is different. Weightlifting is not better than powerlifting. It's not better than CrossFit. It's not better than Strongman. It's different. And questions aren't coming from someone to shoot you down or take you down a peg, they were because people were genuinely curious. Crossfitters were genuinely curious about weightlifting training volume and methodology. They were genuinely curious about differences between the Russian system and the Bulgarian system. They weren't saying this just to say, oh, you know, because CrossFit's better. And at its core, CrossFit learns from and borrows from so many different training methodologies, right? So for for someone to say, oh, CrossFit's, the best, and to just attack weightlifting, I mean, that's antithetical to to the thesis of CrossFit, regularly learn and play new sports, adapt, take methodologies, borrow, learn from. And so I don't know if there was one training point or if one one turning point, but it was really when I realized, oh, people are asking questions because they're genuinely curious. Now, we could dive back into hey, how maybe that was like the kernel of inspiration for starting barbend years later because, oh, people have these questions across strength sports. Where do they go to ask them? Where do they go to answer them and where do they go to like engage in this conversation? Um, I am curious where in your strength training career you started identifying with a particular training methodology, you started identifying more with the powerlifting community? Because I know strength training for you originally was something that was um, for sport training. It was was getting better at hockey, then it was getting better at at cheerleading. It was getting better at your gymnastic skills. So when did you decide that like, okay, powerlifting, that's something I kind of want to dive into more than any of these other strength sports that might be accessible to me?
1: Totally. Um, Man, if I had to pick one defining moment, I always wanted to be strong. I was always a smaller guy. And I saw the powerlifters around me and they were huge, just jacked guys, man. I wanted to squat a lot. I wanted to deadlift a lot. My bench press will always be abysmal and I've kind of accepted that, but I wanted to bench more. So I just wanted to get strong like these guys I was looking at. So, I mean, really it was into like just three or four months into my strength training career when I was just kind of going to the gym and kind of just messing around, not knowing really what to do, doing full body workouts. I started to see like, guys running the 531 you know the, like the classic like simple programs and i started running 5-3-1, for example for a while and since then obviously i've changed my methodologies and i do think that there are better ways to approach strength training but that program worked for me like greatly from beginner to intermediate and i think the moment you see that first amount of progression that's what really gets you hooked into one and i think that's what really got me into the powerlifting kick and has kind of kept me there since then i've actually started branching out into other sports and my appreciation for everything has grown tenfold. And circling back to the question I asked you, the variable that has kind of inspired this one way of training to appreciation of everything, it's time, right? I think every beginner, once you find one thing that works, you stick with it as long as you can, but as time passes, and as you begin to appreciate all of the work the other athletes and coaches are putting into their trade, and you begin to realize that reality is, is strength training, no matter the sport, is pulling here and there from everything, like you mentioned. So Whether you're in weightlifting, you're probably pulling some principles from other strength sports, no matter who you are and how elite you are. so I think once you have enough time in this world, in the strength sports world, and you see enough coaches, and you listen to enough, and you learn more, that's when you really start to build that appreciation.
0: I think there's also a, a historical perspective that's important here. All strength sports have common ancestry. A hundred years ago, there wasn't weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, strongman. Fifty years ago, there wasn't really that differentiation. Although it was kind of beginning to, to differentiate. You know, um, Tommy Kona, who's one of my all-time strength sports heroes, he was a bodybuilder and a weightlifter. Right, he had multiple titles in both. He was the best in the world in in both sports at points in his career. Um, you know, around the nineteen fifties, early sixties. You know you go earlier than that, there wasn't so much of a differentiation between bodybuilding and weightlifting. Uh, powerlifting was very much a, a child of or progression from weightlifting. Strongman what well, was was honestly designed to showcase strength on, on television. It was started as a, as a TV show in many ways, but you know, it also harkens back to the days of old timey strongman feats of strength, whether it be the traveling strongman. Of and strong women of the circuses in Europe or the Coney Island strong men and women. Um, all of these strength sports have different and mixed origins, and they're all interrelated and interconnected. And they have a history of athletes who have been bouncing around between the disciplines, you know, whether it's showcasing their musculature in the early 20th century while also performing feats of strength. It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Given that, are there any athletes today? Who you particularly respect or admire for their ability to borrow across strength disciplines and sports?
1: Oh, 100 percent. I'm trying to think of uh,
0: especially, especially, and just to clarify, especially when it comes to um, content they're they're producing and and the way they're like talking about that
1: that progression and that borrowing. Totally, totally. Um, I'll, I'll think of a couple. I'll try to think of a couple examples from every kind of like niche demographic. Weightlifting, I really like Travis Mash because he has principles pulled from powerlifting and weightlifting, and he kind of ties them together, and he has experience in both. So I really like how he has presented his information and is taking a lot more youth and building them up and highlighting them and making them the focal points of his training. Like Obviously, it's his methodologies, but I really respect his diverse background. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of more new school, like online program-based places, I love what hybrid performance method are doing. I like that they try to tie in a little bit of everything and create programs that are sound, but also give everybody a little bit of exposure to the different strength sports. I think that's really cool because it leads people on a path to progressing, maybe not at the fastest rate in one of their niches, let's say like powerlifting, but it's building them up in multiple directions, which I think is really cool. And then, um, do you have any while I think on this one?
0: No, I, I do very much admire what what hybrids done in a lot of ways. I think what Steffi in particular has done um, is um, been very. She's been very open about her progression through the different sports, and and now she's primarily known as is powerlifter, yeah. right? An all time record holding powerlifter, but um, you know she has also. I, I don't want to say dabbled in weightlifting because that undersells. I think her proficiency in weightlifting at a certain point, and now she's um, posting a lot more content about. Um, nutrition and training when it comes to your physique and bodybuilding accessories and things like that. So I definitely admire, I know that you're, you're very close with her. A lot of the work she's been doing in that regard. I think mash is a fantastic example. If you had asked someone 20 years ago, if a, if a, a, a incredibly accomplished powerlifter like that would be running one of the, the best youth and junior developmental programs for weightlifting in the United States, everyone would have thought you were crazy except for maybe Travis mash. Um, those are fantastic examples. I like Rob Kearney's example a lot. And I think Rob is someone who he's told this story, but I think Rob's reach is still young and growing. Like I think that he doesn't quite have the audience yet that he will in a couple of years. Cause I think he's such a good personality and such an inspiring athlete. Rob Kearney is a, a world's strongest man competitor. Um, one of the top American strongmen, today and and he's still actually very young in his strongman career. I think he's got a lot of room to grow, literally and figuratively, um in that he can he can get a lot a lot bigger. And he found he found it strength sports through CrossFit, which is hilarious if you think about all of the the internet trolling that always said CrossFit is is where strength sports go when they strength athletes go when they want to get small and weak. He was exposed to strength training through CrossFit methodology and now he's competing at the world's strongest man, the, the, the top most famous strongman competition against the, the biggest and strongest people on earth. It's, um, that's pretty absurd and pretty cool. I mean, absurd in a cool way. And I think that story is one that he can really leverage and tell and inspire a lot of people who might want to journey across the strength sports a bit more.
1: Totally. I totally agree with that. I love that example. Do you have any good examples for like, let's say, CrossFit to weightlifting? I
0: think there are ton. I think there are a ton of good examples. There are good examples from CrossFit to weightlifting, CrossFit to powerlifting, um, even the other way around. I think Rob is the only example I can think of that's CrossFit to strongman, which was the one that I thought was going to be yeah. like the the toughest to bridge. I mean, CrossFit to weightlifting. Maddie Rogers is an example in the United States of someone who. You know, originally found weightlifting through CrossFit. Now she's been specializing in weightlifting for a long time now, and she's been an athlete her whole career. But she's like an example a lot of people point to um, the other way around: weightlifting to CrossFit. Matt Fraser is like the the key example there, right? Uh, someone who was a very high level youth and junior competitor on the weightlifting stage, trained under Chris Polakowski in Vermont, very storied, accomplished weightlifting program there, um, and you know. Was was injured, went through some surgeries, and started getting back to training. And found a CrossFit gym in Vermont where he started training. And, and now he's the four-time defending Reebok CrossFit Games champion. So, like, clearly, the progression can work both ways. And he he brought a fantastic weightlifting capacity, baseline strength, and skill to CrossFit. Um, and then, hey, there are some athletes who can juggle both simultaneously. Tia Claire Toomey. Not only is she a three-time reebok crossfit games champion she's also an olympian commonwealth games gold medalist i guess you can have the best of both worlds at uh or at least almost the best of both worlds two at once are there any examples um and you would know this better than i do of an exchange back and forth among elite athletes between crossfit and powerlifting
1: let me rack my brain really fast um
0: that one's tougher. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head.
1: No, I'm like going through like I'm going through like all the people we follow through Instagram and like thinking who is a great example of this. I actually can't think of any examples off the top of my head, at least at the very elite level. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now I, I definitely know of some exchange between weightlifting and and powerlifting. James Tatum is a very accomplished American weightlifter who uh, made a name for himself in, in powerlifting. Um, so you'll see some back and forth between weightlifting and powerlifting. And, and obviously on the international level, there are many, many, many examples of people who have competed at both the Olympics and in like, at a like IPF worlds. Right. Um, I, I don't want to name too many specifics off the top of my head because, um, we write about it a lot on, on, on barbin.com. I don't want to get anyone's particular numbers or years of competition wrong off the top of my head. But yeah, powerlifting to weightlifting, that's one that we don't see, again,
1: anecdotally, right, quite as often as yeah. like
0: weightlifting to CrossFit.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that I mean, that within itself, I think has a lot to do with specificity, especially as you train a certain way for so long. I think it makes it a lot tougher to go to some of these sports. But I mean, the examples that you brought up earlier between the cross pollination let's say, CrossFit to weightlifting, some CrossFit to strongman, I think that's all great to bring back to our original point is the respect between the strength sports and the athletes. You see these athletes, especially the ones at the top of their game, going back and forth, and there isn't a lack of respect because, I mean, they're doing it. They're living it. And the people who follow them, I don't think always understand maybe their full beginnings and roots. Like I would be curious to see if the new Matt Frazier fans knew that he was a very accomplished Olympic weightlifter before Mm -hmm. going into CrossFit. So I think that kind of circles back to the whole topic of this podcast. And I love that you brought those up because that brings us back to the topic of respect between the athletes versus the people who are following. And I'd be curious to know if the people who are following some of these athletes who love them and are diehard fans knew that a lot of them got their starts in other sports
0: It's, it's difficult. I think there's actually a burden on the athletes to balance it because they want to cater to the fans. Their fans are are like Matt Fraser's social media following is, is largely because he's an amazing CrossFitter, right? Four time fittest man on earth. Um, and his fans expect that they want that content. He's built that following you know, he doesn't talk about his weightlifting background being a youth and junior weightlifter that often on social, not that he's never addressed it, not that he's like hiding anything. Um, but there is this burden on athletes because they want to be authentic. They want to tell their stories online. I'm sure of it, some some more than others. But at the same time, they want to give content to their followers that their followers expect. That they think their followers want, right? Like Rob Kearney is a great example. I think he produces fantastic content. I think he's only barely started to tap into his potential as a strength personality. Um, but people follow him because he's a strong man, right? They're not. They're not following him because they want his story, like of walking into a CrossFit gym the first time. Or at least there's a tension there. Maybe maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But these athletes, that's how they monetize, they build their followings, they build engagement.
1: It can be risky for them potentially for that very reason. Very true. That's a great point. Actually. I, I didn't even consider it from that angle actually about how at a certain point you just kind of let the past be the past and you work with what you have now and what you have going for you.
0: And again, this isn't anything I've talked to. I've, I've, only talked to Rob very briefly about this and not in this level. Not like, oh, do you think posting about how you used to do CrossFit would hurt your following? Like, I haven't asked him that specific question. I haven't asked Matt that specific question. Um, but it is something I'm sure that, like, they would, have to, they would have
1: to consider at least. 100% because I would be curious to see the interaction they get on those specific posts, at least from the, from the folks who do not necessarily respect other strength sports to the same degree who are fans of them. I wonder how they would view that if it would almost be kind of maybe a turning point in their eyes between, oh wow, like they did this and I love what they do now. I think maybe that'll make me respect it a little bit more or do you think it'll go back to the roots of like defending what you know and going against the other side of things?
0: Well, I do want to bring it back to one of your original points which was that determination, grit, hard work, dedication, that is a commonality across not just strength sports but across sports and especially for strength sports where the mechanism to get better is often painful. Like adaptation, training, especially at that elite level, you know, going for that extra 1%, right? It's rough. It, it, it hurts. I don't care if you're training strongman, weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit. Like we all understand that point of being tired, being sore, um, pushing yourself past that envelope, pushing yourself beyond what's comfortable. And, the fact that athletes across sports go through that is—it's an important thing for us to acknowledge. Look, it's—it's it's different, right? That feeling in the middle of, of Fran, the classic CrossFit workout, like most powerlifters aren't experiencing that weekly in training, but they still have their own, they each have their own struggles. They're each dealing with injury, and they're everyone's trying to balance training volume and trying to get that that perfect level of adaptation. That sweet hit that sweet spot. So. Um, you know, I do think there are certainly some ways where athletes and also outlets like Barbin, perhaps we could be a little bit better about talking to folks and bridging the divide um, and illustrating that everyone is, is struggling and going through hard things and working to be their best, especially at that elite level. What are some of the ways you think maybe we could do a
1: better job of that? And maybe athletes could, in specific sports could do a better job of that? So one way I, well, one form of video that I always love seeing, and I know it's not a common type of video, but I love seeing other athletes, especially who have, let's say more of a social media slash friendly presence online, take on other types of workouts. Because I think it shows a lot into what they end up going through, how hard it is. And I think it helps their followers understand just how difficult another form of training is. Oftentimes I think we get into the mindsets that we don't dislike something because it's different, but because it's hard for us. It's easy to dislike something that's difficult for us. Like I am not a great weightlifter and I know that. And sometimes like I have that mindset where it's like, I don't like weightlifting, but it's like, no, it's just, I'm not that good at it. So I don't really resonate with it. So I think from our point of view, we could do a better job of almost highlighting more athletes going through this. Mm -hmm. And like maybe even working with athletes hand in hand when they have a down moment in their off season to like bring them through a different form of workout, maybe even bringing two athletes together to have them share experiences in their own sports and kind of talk about it more and open up that conversation. I think we have a cool means to do so with all these different strength sports and athletes we work with that I think some outlets may not necessarily have. And I think we're very fortunate to have it. So I think almost making more content around athletes sharing experiences with one another from different backgrounds, I think would be very cool.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. Uh it's something that we've seen some other athletes outlets have a lot of success with. Uh brute strength has has done it. Um I think they did it in a particular way and that it wasn't show- so much showing like the training. It was just showing what can you do in this like battery of tests in this combine we give you, which I think is important. I think it's good, but I think it does leave some questions unanswered as well, which is like about the training, the day to day, not just like the impact and effect of the fitness and strength you've built. Um, But I think that that actual, like, the going through the motions and the actual, the not fun part, I think that's really something that has a lot of room to be illustrated and to be highlighted for sure.
1: 100%. And I have a question for you, David. So we're talking about all these commonalities between the strength sports, right? Everybody has to go through a certain level of pain in terms of their intensity volume to reach their best self. In terms of regular sports, let's talk about how they view one another really fast. Just between like let's say football and sports like soccer. Like they're both going through a ton of different pain in different different ways. Stuff like that. Do you think that they respect each other in the same way or do you think there's I'm curious.
0: I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be very like all of this is anecdotal. All of this is based yes. on it's subjective, it's based on what you think. I mean, there are plenty of American football players out there who love soccer and respect soccer and you know wish they could play more soccer and watch more soccer. But there are also those fans we all know, we all have those friends who are like, oh, soccer players are soft football's where it's at because it's just based on a perceived level of contact. Soccer is a contact sport too. People get injured all the time. Soccer hurts. You ever had like, you ever been playing soccer and had someone run over your foot with cleats? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty painful. I'd have to weigh whether, whether I want to like get tackled or have that. Like it's, there are levels of contact and risk And and difficulty with every sport. And then and then soccer players might see American football players and be like, oh, it's it's so easy. You just like run for 10 yards and then play stops and you get to rest. Right. That's an example you bring up that I think that we talk a lot about in the United States. And I think it's something that a lot of people might point to is like, oh, here's why soccer isn't bigger in the US. I'm not convinced that's true. I think it's, it's maybe more nuanced than that. And I think soccer, as we saw at the Women's World Cup this year, is obviously very, very popular in the United States. It's just maybe we're looking at the wrong demographics. That's a good question. And I think that my athletic career was not, outside of strength sports, was not long enough or accomplished enough to have the best perspective on that across sports. I will say that the more specialized and the more elite you get in a lot of these sports, the more people tend to just respect them because of the jaw dropping feats of athleticism. For example, like in the NBA, what LeBron James does, what, what Zion is going, you know, is might do for, for new Orleans this year. Like, like, we all look at that. Every athlete can look at that and just be like, that's amazing what they're able to do. The dunks they're able to do. The moves they're able to pull. Like, that's amazing. My hope is that as strength sports become more mainstream, people can look at you know, what Jen Thompson has done and say, oh, my God, that's just as amazing as throwing down like a, a windmill slam dunk. It's just as impressive. It's just as difficult. Um, we're not there yet. That was a really roundabout way of answering your question, Jake.
1: (laughs) No, no worries. I I basically wanted to get to the point that's like every sport, I think, have their vast amount of differences. But if you ask me between the strength sports, they probably have the most overlap. So that's why I don't understand the lack of respect for one another. I think in terms of how these athletes are progressing, it's more similar than any other sport. So while there is differences in other sports, obviously, everybody has their own struggles. But strength sports tend to be a little bit more closely intertwined and that's why i'm i'm always shocked to see the amount of trolling out there on other sports just for the art of trolling it's like why do you understand i do you, do you understand that we're all progressively overloading on a regular weekly basis to get to our best selves no matter what kind of training you're doing my my guess is that look trolling's going to happen and it's a again it's a
0: vocal minority i think that a lot of listeners readers viewers for for barbend and across strength outlets they're smart and they're in this because they love it and they have a lot of respect. I think trolling, a level of trolling is going to happen. I think there are going to be those people who are so defensive that they're going to troll. And I think some people just troll because because like, yeah. they enjoy it. They might actually be super knowledgeable and understand the nuances and connections and overlap, but
1: they're going to troll because they like getting a reaction out of people like you and me. Yeah, to be honest, I think for most, it, they see it as an art, right? It's getting a reaction out of somebody who was not looking for any form of reaction. And when you get it, it's like, like, almost like a pleasure thing. Like, you're like, yes, I got a reaction. I got this many likes. I got so, a trolling PR. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's never going to go away. But I think there are different degrees of trolling between doing it on purpose for like almost like the art of doing it and then just doing it because you're a little bit ignorant. And that's what I like, wish would start to fade away as strength sports keep growing.
0: And to be fair, um, and to end this conversation on, on a positive note, it's been getting a lot better. It has, and people are more knowledgeable. They're more engaged. They're more curious across strength sports and about different methodologies of strength training and fitness than they were five years ago, ten years ago. So, I'd say overall, the strength community is moving in, the, in not always the right direction, but certainly, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic
1: about where it's headed. I would 100% agree with that. I think since even. Starting at Barbend in late 2016, I've seen a shift in how engagement is across the board for all of our articles and our social media channels. I think when we put up a question now, it's not so much like a fighting matter, even if it's not about anything specific within the training world. People are much more receptive to sharing their thoughts and asking questions and starting to understand a little bit more of how one another thinks. I think as athletes continue to grow and build their influences and start to really take these challenges on and share that Every strength sport is great. I think that'll shift more and more, but I 100% agree. I've definitely seen a shift in the last three years alone, and I'm excited to see what happens as strength sports continue to become a little bit more mainstream.
0: Awesome. Well, Jake Boley, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Your your first Barbend podcast episode, uh, almost surely not your last, and we hope everyone enjoyed listening to the conversation. This is definitely one where we're interested to hear the reactions and thoughts online. So. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for having
1: me, David. And yeah, I look forward to reading some of the comments on this video.